Welcome. This is the Clutch Fans Podcast, the first of its kind, uh, possibly the last, but we are finally getting a podcast up, and that music you just heard is by Jeff Balke, who put that together 13 years ago, uh, specifically for Clutch Fans, um, since we were going to do a podcast during the days of Save Our Rockets, and uh, shout out to Jeff there, uh, I told you man, we'd do a podcast, it just took a little more than a decade. I'm Dave Hardesty. You may know me as Clutch on Clutch Fans. Today, we wanted to have a sort of a, an open discussion with the NBA draft coming up on June 28th. Big draft for the Rockets. they got the 14th and 16th pick. We have a special guest, uh, David Weiner. You know him as Bima Thug. Uh, he writes excellent articles on the salary cap, on the Rockets cap situation. Really ha- has done a brilliant job, in my opinion, of the uh, last several years on, on Clutch Fans, uh, breaking down what possibilities uh, lay before the Rockets, things that they can do with their cap situation and, and um, with their ability to make trades. And uh, he's a big fan of the NBA draft. So welcome, David. Thanks for having me. You're too kind. No, anytime. And uh, obviously, you know, you you love the NBA draft. You and I have talked uh, quite a bit uh, about this. You have, an, as a matter of fact, you could tell us a little bit about this. You have a, an annual party for the NBA draft with, uh, with your friends. And um, it's always been something that you've, been very passionate about oh yeah for gosh I, I can't remember how long now every year uh my wife and i have uh our close friends who are kind of hardcore rockets fans it's not for the faint of heart uh and it's it's kind of like christmas for me every year <laughs> you know I, I gotta say uh, that's that's kind of the way it's, it's felt for me for years um i've always basically charted the draft and uh loved following it this year i'm, I'm struggling a little bit even though the rockets I uh, have two very good picks, the, the 14th and 16th pick. Um, it, it feels a little bit like um, like they're not going to be here. And I know we felt that way the last couple of years, um, but this year in particular, it just it doesn't seem like with Motiunas coming over, uh, you know, this next season that they're going to be able to add two rookies that you would think would have playing time. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know what to make of. This draft, I mean, I'm very excited because it, I don't know the last time, I guess 2001 is the last time the Rockets kind of were set up as nicely with first round picks as they are this year. Um, I mean, well, not counting 2002 when we had the number one pick and, and number 15. I guess that might be, that might be the best. Uh, but we all knew we were taking Yao Ming heading into that draft and then uh, we ended up with Bogey Nakbar at 15. But I, it, I look back to, 2001 when we had the 13th, 18th, and 23rd picks as kind of the most comparable pre-draft situation to where we are now. Uh, Daryl Morey and the Rockets front office just have so many different ways they could go, and you know we, we'll try to touch on some of them that, that we can even conceive of you know, on this podcast, but I'll bet you there's a hundred other things they they may be exploring or may end up doing that we just can't even conceive of. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I think if they do stay at 14 and 16, I I certainly like their position. I think, um, you know, this draft, I think, comfortably goes 20, 25 deep. I I wouldn't even mind personally stepping back to where Boston was. I think they're going to get two quality players as well. Um, So, you know, I feel good about – that they're they're not going to get stuck picking somebody some guaranteed contract at 14 or 16 that they're not going to be happy with. I think there there's quality there. Um, 
you know, let's just step into the draft a little bit. I, you know, first of all, what do you really feel are their needs? I think that's that's tough to peg as well. What do you think the Rockets' needs are heading into to this draft? Well, I mean, positionally speaking, I think the the obvious answers there are, are center uh, with Dallenberg not likely to be back and and Camby being a free agent. And even if we bring Camby back, he's kind of in the twilight of his career. Uh, so center's an obvious uh, positional need. Um, as well as shooting guard. I mean, it, we have two very good players under our, under relative team control right now, and Kevin Martin, who's got a year left on his deal, and Courtney Lee, who's a restricted free agent. But you know, it's it's, it's quite possible that Martin gets dealt this summer, and there's no guarantee that that the Rockets retain Courtney Lee. So I think. You know, they may be looking to find a either a potential Courtney Lee replacement or if they let Martin go, retain Lee, but don't trade for a shooting guard, they may need a backup to Courtney Lee for next year. Yeah, I think that's a, a very accurate assessment there. I think uh, center and shooting guard, I would agree with that. <clears throat> you know, I really think the one position that they, they probably would not take is small forward. I mean, I, there could be a guy, you know, whether it's Mo Harkless or somebody like that, that, that maybe just blows them away and they feel they have to. But after taking, you know, Marcus Morris uh, and Chandler Parsons, you know, possibly their long-term starter, uh, maybe not, but but quite possibly. Uh, last year, it just seems like, you know, they've got guys under rookie contracts under control for a while that, um, you know, there's no need to add a, another young player at the three. I tend to agree with you, but if there's one thing, you know, we've kind of seen over the past few years, it's that, uh, the Rockets will go best player available seemingly regardless of position. And they're, they're so open to trades and, you know, guys like Parsons and Morris are probably on the high end of, of the trade chips that, that this team has right now. They may look at it as we're going to take what, who we feel is the best player regardless of position and we'll let the roster sort itself out. While I personally would like to see them address a position of need, um, hopefully they're, they're taking a, the best player available who also happens to fill a position in need, but I, I wouldn't put it past them to take even a small forward if that's just so happens to be the best player on their board. That's an interesting take. Uh, you know, certainly, uh, superstar or, or top player, I don't think they're going to pass on anybody regardless of position. So yeah, that's a good point. Uh, let me let's go step through the draft. Obviously, the first pick is is pretty much a lock, and I think you know most people probably look at two through six right now. Um, you know, the order is not necessarily set, but I think most people think those players are set. You know, we we talked earlier, and and it's possible uh, Damian Lillard or, or somebody like that could could crack that top six. But I think the draft, by most accounts, starts at at pick seven, and with the Rockets holding fourteen and sixteen. You know, that gives you roughly seven picks to that, you know, we need to analyze and, and figure out to see who might be available. Uh, you know, what do you think starts to happen there? Or, or how do you look at the draft from seven on uh, playing out for the Rockets? Well, you know, Golden State is is reportedly interested in trading their pick. I um, mean, you know, again, so much depends on how the draft plays out. But, uh, you know, they, they've been linked with names like Terrence Jones or Perry Jones or Jared Sullinger. Uh, some names that, that could possibly slip into the teens. And it, it's possible they're, they're a trade-up possibility for the Rockets. But um, I, I agree with you. I think there's a, a top 
top six, maybe seven, if you want to throw Lillard in there. And it, it really just, I think once you hit seven, eight, nine, you're probably talking about players that you could, you can get comparable value at 14 and 16. I mean, obviously the higher up you are, the greater the odds that you'll be able to secure your guy. But I really do think the, the talent level starts to level off around seven and eight. You know, with with the Rockets picking 14th uh, and 16th, uh, the, the picks are so close together. I think you know, obviously, uh, Boston is a similar situation. Uh, I think they're at 21 and 22. Um, you know, how is that going to impact the draft, in your opinion? Well, I, I think it's it, it's besides getting a higher pick at 16. I think uh, the the Knicks won the coin toss with the the Mavericks and the Jazz that that allowed us to get the 16th pick. Uh, having two picks so close together could be beneficial if the Rockets are able to, to game the draft correctly. One of the things the Rockets front office really does well is, is research. They, you know, they do tons of research not only on, on the prospects that they're interested in, but also on what other teams are interested in. They, they do tons of recon to try to determine uh, what other teams' draft strategies are and, and what particular players uh, other teams are looking to select. So I think a, a critical uh, bit of research for them, this this draft is going to be trying to peg what the Philadelphia 76ers are going to do with the 15th pick. Um, there's been a lot of speculation that um, either Dion Waiters or Austin Rivers has a promise at 13 from the Phoenix Suns. Uh, that could all be conjecture, but there's a lot of people seem to think that one of those two guys is not going to fall past 13. Uh, if they can figure out what Philadelphia is doing at 15, it really positions themselves well to maximize the value of that 14th pick. So, for instance, if the Rockets have a trade on the table, uh, another team's going to give something of value to them for the 14th pick. If the, if the Rockets know what Phoenix is doing at 13, uh, that gives them time to set up the trade. And if they know what Philadelphia is doing at 15, they may be able to trade that 14th pick for maximum value and still get the, the top guy on their board at 16. So that's kind of one example of where doing your research could set you, uh, set the Rockets up really nicely in this draft. Let me ask you this. Are there, uh, you know, perhaps a handful of guys that you, as far as the Rockets are concerned, that you think are a great fit, or, or guys that you really want to see fall to, to 14? Yes, Anthony Davis. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, moving past that, uh, anyone else? <laughs> oh, you mean realistic possibilities. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, well, one guy I really like, and, and I know he's kind of been a uh, uh, polarizing Choice on the board is uh, Tyler Zeller, senior center out of North Carolina. Uh, I just think he screams Daryl Morey player. Uh, he's uh, obviously he's a polished product. Uh, he wasn't much of a rebounder early in his college career, but he's kind of vaulted himself. He's, he's I believe he's the top rebounding center in the draft now based on the senior year production. Uh, he gets to the free throw line. He's He's very quick in transition. I think he's a, an excellent fast-breaking center. Uh, he can finish in transition. Uh, he's a, he, has, he wasn't asked to be much of a jump shooter uh, last year, but when he did, he shot at a fairly high clip. 
Uh, he's got some range to his jump shot and just, he seems to fill, I think you can check all the boxes on what, what makes a successful mid first round pick. And I add to that the fact he, he fulfills one of our top positional needs and I think it's, I think he'd be an excellent choice at 14. You know, I, I have to jump in there. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on this. You know, I, I believe going into this draft that the Rockets have to be looking across the board at, at guys who are high upside, high potential guys, no more solid picks, um, you know, decent role players, but they have to be looking high upside guys. But I think when it comes to, to the center position, solid is, is, works just great. And I think, um, I look at this and again, it's not inside information. I just think it's, I look at Zeller and I think this is the guy the Rockets have to be wanting right now. Uh, solid player, everything you described and shoots free throws at a very solid clip. I think he shot over 80% as a senior. Um, this is a guy who could really step in and, and contribute for McHale. Um, so I think that I, I'm, I agree with you. I think Myers Leonard possibly is sort of a smoke screen and Zeller, uh, is a guy the Rockets hoping being a senior might might slide and some other guys will go ahead of him based on potential. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't exactly be crying if, if they took Myers Leonard. He looks to be, a you know, quite an athletic specimen, long, tall, uh, strong. Uh, he's definitely got more p- uh, potential upside than, than Zeller, uh, but I think his floor is a, is a heck of a lot lower than Zeller's. Um, you know, the, the knock on Tyler is that he's, you know, he, he's kind, he's mostly a finished product. Uh, you know, the, the likelihood is he, he won't get significantly better from here. Uh, but I think even based on what, what he did this past year at, at, at North Carolina, I think he, he could be an above average starting center. And like you, like you said, Dave, uh, above average starting centers are at quite a premium in this league. Absolutely, yeah. You take him at the 14th pick uh, in a year or two, uh, he's worth well more than that. So uh, anyone else that jumps out at you that you're like, hey, I'd really like to see this guy available at 14, and, and you know, obviously outside of the consensus top five picks. Um, another guy that, that not too many people are talking about, I know there's, there's a segment of the Clutch Fans uh, board that really likes this player, uh, Terrence Ross, uh, Six seven swingman out of uh, Washington. Uh, he his name isn't linked as the sexy pick like Dion Waiters or Austin Rivers or Jeremy Lamb as far as the the guys that everyone's talking about going in the mid to late lottery. A lot of the mocks have him falling to us at sixteen to Minnesota at eighteen. Uh, but this guy really looks like a good fit with the Rockets. He's got height at 6'7". He, he looks like he, he could play the shooting guard position with size. He's a plus defender, and he can shoot the rock. I mean, I, I know the Rockets tend to shy away from athletic guys that just can't shoot the ball, uh, but this guy has athleticism. He can shoot it, and he can defend, and I think those are just major positives, and if somehow they could haul Zeller and Ross at 14 and 16, I'd be ecstatic. I agree with you about Ross. I think he's a very good player. doesn't really quite have the playmaking ability uh, that you'd love to see out of a, a, a two-guard sliding over and, and helping out. But uh, as you said, he's got the size, defensive ability, and, and scoring ability. I, I think he's a, he would be an excellent pick. 
I'd absolutely hate to see Ross slip down to the to the T Wolves. I, I I personally was hoping if anything out of this draft outside of the Rockets landing two quality players, uh, that Minnesota doesn't doesn't get their top shooting guard out of this draft. And I know there's probably four or five of these guys that uh, look really good on the board, and, and chances are somebody might slip down to Minnesota. But um, uh, you know, I think there's a, a guy as well that I really like is John Henson. And I think um, when you look at the draft, um, you know, from the seven on, I think you have to look at uh, the Pistons at nine and probably the Bucks at 12 as far as taking big guys. And I think, you know, we don't necessarily know what they're going to end up doing, but uh, you would think John Henson, Myers Leonard, and Tyler Zeller uh, are probably candidates at nine and 12. And that, that's probably the most likely the spots where those guys will end up being taken. And it'll be interesting to see out of those three, uh, which ones are left standing at 14. But Henson's a guy I really like. I, he doesn't have the broad shoulders uh, of an Anthony Davis that makes you say, hey, this guy's going to become a beast once he really develops. Um, but uh, he's got really long legs, really long arms. Um, didn't quite test out athletically like I had hoped at the Combine, but I think his shot-blocking abilities is outstanding. Um, he's young. Um, you know, he, he, when he came into the, uh, came out of high school, he was a top rated prospect. I think that's a guy who's got a lot of potential. I'd love to see him slide to 14. I don't know if he will, but I'd love to see the Rockets have the chance to scoop him up, uh, even though he isn't, isn't quite the center. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I, I think, um, uh, another power forward is probably the last thing a lot of Rockets fans want to see, but at the same time, you got to look for the best player available. And if, if Henson's on the board at fit, at 14, you know, he, he would definitely be near the top of, of my list of best players available at that spot. Um, you know, he does at least one thing at an elite level, and that's block shots. Um, outside of Marcus Camby, the Rockets don't really have a, a real top shot blocker, so he could add an element to the Rockets that uh, they don't really have. Uh, reminds me a little bit of a, a younger Andre Kirilenko during his best years with uh, individually with the Jazz when he was when Kirilenko was playing power forward. You know, Kirilenko is a long, lanky guy that wasn't was never built out. I mean, he ended up moving over to the small forward position when they added Boozer. And I don't think he ever found the same individual success he had as a, as a power forward. But, you know, Henson reminds me a lot of Kirilenko. And if he can develop an outside shot, and uh, depending on his ability to defend, you know, he may be able to be a, a swing forward possibly. I mean, I think he, he's more likely to be stuck at, at the power forward position. You know, I'd like to think he could fill out and play center, but just given his frame, I'm not too optimistic about that. But as a Kirilenko type of power forward, you know, he, he definitely has a, a fairly high ceiling for a mid-first-round pick. You know, uh, talking before this, you and I pretty much agreed Terrence Jones is a guy, uh, you know, the Rockets, we'd like to see the Rockets avoid. I mean, obviously he's a undersized power forward, bit of a tweener, 3-4. I think we're in agreement there. But your thoughts on Perry Jones out of Baylor? I mean, he's a guy who's sliding and, and to me, surprisingly could be available at 14 and, uh, a lot of mocks now putting him even past the Rockets. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Um, yeah, I don't think there's a more polarizing player in this year's draft than, than Perry Jones. I mean, the upside is there. I mean, he's, you know, his upside is a 6'11 version of Tracy McGrady. Um, 
Do I think he's likely to reach that potential? Probably not. Um, his floor is, you know, kind of along the lines of another Gerald Green, a guy who just has freakish athleticism but just never put it all together. Fortunately for Gerald, he's he seems to have caught on with the Nets this past year, and, and I, I wish him luck uh, resurrecting his NBA career. But, yeah, uh, Perry could really – He's all over the place. He could could potentially be a great player. There's a small chance of that. Uh, pretty decent chance he busts out, but still the upside is, is very tantalizing. I'm, I'm not the biggest Perry Jones fan myself, but if the Rockets ended up taking a flyer on him, especially if they went solid with the guy like Zeller at 14, and somehow Jones slipped all the way to 16, I, I would not fault the Rockets for kind of, taking another home run swing like they did last year with Marcus Morris. Yeah, let me ask you, you know, as far as Perry Jones, uh, you know, I'm somewhat in agreement there. I, I, I would roll the dice on a guy like him. I, to me, uh, like as mentioned before, I'd like to see the Rockets, uh, you know, take some risks. I feel like they've, they've gone a little bit uh, too much the safe route in the past. I think Perry Jones, if he does slide, is a, you know, he, he is a, a bust potential, but I think he uh, – uh, has potential to be something special with uh, his height, his uh, athleticism, uh, and his skill set. I, I know he's got uh, motor questions and, and uh, sort of drive and desire questions, which are never good, but uh, I would roll the dice with that pick. You know, let me ask you this. Uh, as far as trade-up possibilities, this is something that we've uh, you know, kicked around. Every, obviously, everybody would love to trade up, but if we put a price on it, say it was – uh, Kyle Lowry in both of those picks. Is there anybody outside of Anthony Davis, of course, that uh, you look at this draft and say, yeah, I- I'd go for that player? Um, not too many. I, one guy I really do like at the top of the draft is, uh, and, and obviously Anthony Davis is off the table. Um, one guy I do like at the top of the draft is Bradley Beal. Uh, he just He just reminds me a lot of Eric Gordon. Who's a player I, I love. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league and, and just a perennial all-star caliber player. Um, you know, he, he's not the tallest shooting guard prospect out there, but he's got size, strength, and just a, one of the best jump shots of any player in this draft. And if there were anyone outside of Anthony Davis that I think was the most likely to be an all-star, it, it'd probably be Brad Beal. I think it's a good pick. Uh, I'm with you on that. I'd like to see. I'd love to see the Rockets uh, move up to get him. Uh, I'd do the same as well, to be honest, for Andre Drummond. Um, I think that's a guy. He's got a bunch of knocks on him. I think uh, you know, a bit of a goofy guy, and uh, you have to wonder if his his heart is into this long term. Um, and he's got uh, you know a few skill question marks. Obviously, he can't shoot free throws. Um, shooting is, a, is an issue for him. Um, but I think a guy that size um, and his mobility, um, athleticism, I mean, it's been on, on display even before he went to UConn. Um, I, that's a guy I would roll the dice with as well. I, I, Andre Drummond is definitely a guy I'd, I'd like to see the Rockets trade up for. You know, we talked as well a little bit about, uh, you know, do the Rockets have a plan? I mean, we do, we've, we've done the debate as far as tanking, team direction. Um, but, you know, looking into this summer, what do you think the Rockets, what's, what's their plan moving forward? You know, it, 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 the, it really depends. It, it, so much is up in the air. I really think this franchise is at a crossroads. And what will determine the path they take, unless, unless 
Les Alexander, Daryl Morey, and the rest of them just put their head down and focus on one direction, which I, I don't think they will. I think they're going to be open to all possibilities. I really think what other teams are willing to do will largely dictate the, the path that this franchise takes next year. Um, there, there's so many possibilities, especially on draft night between the two first-rounders, uh, Kyle Lowry. Uh, you kind of have a limited shelf life on Samuel Dallenbear's partially guaranteed contract that you know, is at least a moderately attractive financial asset if you were going to take on salary from another team. Uh, depending on what other teams are willing to do, if they're willing to play ball, if, if they're willing to trade you a star veteran in exchange for younger assets, future draft picks, things like that, then, uh, you know, I think you may go the let's, let's just win and forget a full rebuild. Uh, however, if, if, if another team's willing to give you a top five pick in this year's draft or willing to trade you a future first round pick with minimal protection, then, you know, if the value, if the greater value is, is in future assets or really young players, then they very well could go the, the total rebuild route. I, I really just think where the value is as between them and other teams and trades is going to largely dictate where they go. You know, I look at this offseason, uh, I just think it's a critical year. This is probably the biggest of uh, Daryl Morey's tenure. Um, you know, I was frustrated with the direction they went last year. I think um, that was the time to make changes, and, and you and I have gone back and forth on this on the board, but, uh, you know, very frustrated with the direction they went, and I, I think they're living with the results right now, picking 14th. And, um, you know, I, right now I don't think there's a need to pick a direction, Um I think they they have this uh, period up until the free agent up until free agency starts here in, in mid July where uh, you know they can see what comes to them whether it's a, a top pick or or uh, trades opening up whether it's Dwight Howard Darren Williams obviously they're going to go from top down uh, as far as best options but you know as I've learned this last year which uh, to me was was painfully frustrating um, I really think that there's two f- types of fans I think. There's the diehards, which I include myself in that group, and I think uh, most people who are listening to this podcast or, uh, uh, you know, who use Clutch fans are are in that group as well. And I think there's just sort of the casual fans, the fans that are are entertained um, uh, by the Rockets being competitive, uh, may, maybe come to to games as a form of entertainment, and um, the Rockets, as constructed, are are really perfect for them. That I think. As far as diehard fans are concerned, I think you can't help but be frustrated and feel like the Rockets do not have a plan. Uh, I think that's becoming more and more apparent. They're not uh, giving themselves an avenue to improve this team. You know, I, I think when they're – you look at other teams around the league, um, just even recently, that when it's clear that they don't have a chance to win uh, win it all or they, and they don't necessarily have the young pieces to, to build and groom to get towards that direction – uh, they make swift changes. Uh, they pick a clear direction, heading south, developing young players, uh, and getting top draft picks. And, and just and two examples off the top of my head. I mean, you look at a team like Portland. Uh, this is a team that came into the exact came into last season in the exact same boat as the Rockets. Uh, were, were a bubble playoff team, six to eight. Uh, when it became clear that they weren't going to reach that status, and they started to slip. Um, you know, they made swift moves, quick moves to rebuild, to start to get better, to, to get pieces for young players. Um, and 
willingly take that step back. I mean, they obviously weren't going for the playoff spot uh, any longer down the stretch there. And um, they made some very good moves. Uh, clearly, um, you know, the Gerald Wallace trade was one that isn't easily duplicated. Um, they were able to flip a win now piece for the sixth pick of the draft. Um, but there's nothing preventing the Rockets from making similar type of moves. Uh, trading Kevin Martin for a draft pick, uh, trading Luis Scola uh, for a piece and, and, and a draft pick, something along those lines. But they, they've, they've held on to those pieces. Portland didn't, and I think you could – you can't really argue that they're in a better position than the Rockets are right now. Uh, they got the sixth and eleventh pick, um, and they have tons of cap room as well. They've got a lot of uh, chance to improve there. And look at New Orleans. A year ago, uh, New Orleans was in the playoffs. The Rockets were home watching New Orleans in the playoffs. Um, and in a year, they have managed to head south come back up north, and they have a better future than the Rockets, period. That's what getting Anthony Davis does for you, putting yourself in a position to potentially win the lottery. Granted, it takes some good fortune, some luck, uh, but but they were a team that, that purposefully went out there to get better picks. So I think the Rockets right now are just a team that uh, has been unwilling to make that step, take that step back. Um, and as a result, they, they just don't have as bright of a future, and I think that's what's been frustrating to, to fans, that they just – haven't outlined a plan on how to get him, how to improve. No, that, those are excellent points, Dave. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the Rockets might be able to do something like what New Orleans did or what Portland did. Uh, I think where, where we, where the, the Rockets may be less successful is, um, you know, number one, we don't have a guy like, uh, Chris Paul to, um, to attract the, the type of trade package that a team like New Orleans could get for him. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a, the, the franchise is a victim of their own success in building uh, really good role players around Tracy and Yao that they're, they're good enough to compete with, but not good enough to get enough, to get enough back in trade where you, where you could kind of scrap it all and you have a top five, top, 10 draft pick waiting for you from a trade. Uh, and then also I think on, on Portland side, you know, New, New Jersey, I don't know what New Jersey was thinking on that trade given that what ended up being the number six pick of the draft for six weeks of Gerald Wallace. Um, I guess sometimes you just gotta, gotta rely on another team to just make a stupid trade. <laughs> yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, there's no, no, uh, denying the fact that Portland, uh, just absolutely got lucky there. I mean, it uh, just it made no sense for New Jersey to do what they did. And, in fact, it, it's quite amazing that they actually did that and didn't have the, as you said, six weeks ago or, or two months ago, whatever it was, the, the foresight to realize that that draft pick itself could be a valuable trade asset in the, in the Dwight Howard chase. I mean, if they, if they had that sixth pick right now, they'd be uh, in, a, in a much better position than they are as far as trades, so um, mind-blowing trade. And that really leads me as well into uh, the, la- the last question that I really want to talk about is, is this, in your opinion, uh, a make-or-break season for Daryl Morey? Um, I think that you have to say yes, if for no other reason than it's the final year of his contract. Uh, but really the only person's opinion that, that matters is Les Alexander's. You know, he, he's the one who hired Daryl. Um, you know, if, if what 
has become the, the, the popular belief, at least on the board, that um, the decision to con- to compete without tearing it all down is, is, is largely Les's idea, or at least is Les's preferred approach, then, you know, perhaps more is going to be given a lot more slack as someone who's just doing his best to execute the owner's preferred game plan. Um, you know, I, I personally think that Daryl's done a really good job. Um, he's been dealt a really tough hand. And, you know, we're, we're not even coming, you know, we're just now coming up on the completion of one year without the contracts of Yao and, and Tracy clogging up the books cap-wise. Uh, th- this summer, I think, is going to be really the first time we could have significant cap room. I think uh, last summer there was a limited amount of cap room, but there really weren't many options for, for using it. And I think the options are really going to be open to the Rockets this summer. And what what Maury does this summer and possibly leading up to the February trade deadline may determine his fate. You know, could he get a contract extension this summer? It's it's quite possible, but you know it's just as possible that that Les Alexander let waits and sees what he does this year with the roster uh, before making a decision. So it, it you you have to say yes, it is a make or break year. But uh, if if the the Rockets don't make some gigantic leap forward this year, that doesn't necessarily spell the end of Daryl Morey with the Rockets. You know, it's interesting. I look at. Um I think if you look at simply at results, um, you know, it's been now three straight years at the ninth seed and uh, the 14th pick. I think I would say, yeah, it's a make or break season for Daryl Morey. I I, uh, I love Daryl. I love what the front office has accomplished. I, I think that they do a lot of positive things that uh, perhaps get overlooked. I think his ability to add, um, you know, players at a low cost or even no cost um, is admirable. It's It's outstanding. Um, I think, but I think if you looked at results, I would say, yeah, this is a make or break season. But I, my answer actually would probably be no, because I feel like, uh, that really, as you pointed out, Daryl's just sort of following orders here. I think he's, um, kind of going, uh, under the direction of, of Les, that Les Alexander has outlined. You know, they're not, they're not willing to take that step back. They're not willing to, uh, lose games to get better picks or, or, or develop young players at the, um, you know, at the cost of now. So I, I think it would almost be disingenuous of Les Alexander to uh, look at this as as in uh, you've got to take me to the promised land this year or else. So I have a hard time thinking that this is the make or break season for Daryl. And, and and I definitely would like to would like to think that, and I think that makes perfect sense. And kind of another thought there is um, kind of if if you take a, a look at what the Rockets organization has done kind of on a macro scale the the shift to analytics uh you know the expanding of staff for people crunching data um and and just the general approach that the rockets have taken to uh the 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 front office approach what that they've taken to to the game of basketball in general it just it's all kind of centers around Daryl Morey and he's been the guy putting it all together and just to replace him after this year I think organizationally would be a lot more significant change than your average changing of the guard at GM for an NBA franchise. Okay so let's close on this obviously the draft is uh, a week from Thursday here 
draft day predictions. Uh, anything? What do you think actually ends up happening here? Um, well, one of a million different uh, possibilities. Uh, I think the Rockets try like hell to to package their picks to move up. Um, odds are, like in years past, that they won't be successful. I hope that the listener goes back to this podcast and, and laughs after we get a top five pick, but uh, but the odds are against us doing that. Um, you know, if, if we stay, if the Rockets stay at 14 and 16, again, I, if, if they fall to the respective picks, I think if, if they could pick up Tyler Zeller and Terrence Ross with those picks, uh, that would be a great pickup. I'm, I'm hoping that's how it plays out if we're, if the Rockets are stuck at 14 and 16. I also think you'll, um, unless a, a big trade that no one's seen for a veteran, uh, materializes, I think it, it, you know, in lieu of a big trade, I think you could see the Rockets deal Samuel D'Alembert on draft night. Uh, he's got a $6.7 million uh, second year of his deal uh, that's only partially guaranteed at $1.5 million uh, until July 8th, which is right in the middle of the July moratorium. So if things stay the way they are, if the Rockets don't uh, waive him before July 8th, he'll be fully guaranteed at $6.7 million. So I think if they can't use him in some bigger deal, that they'll look to dump him on a team with cap room like Sacramento or Toronto and probably cover his guarantee with cash. All right, good, uh, good predictions there. You know, I think uh, I'd love to see the Rockets add multiple players um, I, it's, uh, on draft night. Uh, in other words, multiple players out of this draft. I'd love to see them add young players. I don't think they'll add two. I think they'll take. I think they'll they'll come away with one first round pick, and if ideally they'll uh, even if they have to trade that pick for a, for a two, you know a future pick uh, with lottery protection or something like that, it would be an underwhelming move. But I could see them doing that because I don't think that they're going to add uh, more young players at the at the mid middle of the first round. I think ideally they would move up in the draft and, and, and be able to slip into the 30 to 35 range and get a second round pick, uh, perhaps for a Euro stash prospect, Evan Fournier, someone like that. Uh, but that's what I see. And I, as well, I agree with you on Dallenbear. I think he's going to get dealt. Uh, I'm pretty confident that he's going to end up, but he won't be back next year. Um, and draft night is really the night to do it. So, um, we'll see, but I, I just can't see the Rockets personally can't see them adding, uh, more than one first round pick this year unless they they send out a couple of their own their current players that they have under contract. Perfect. Well, uh hey David, thanks so much for uh, for uh you know having this discussion. It's always great talking rockets with you and uh you know we both love the draft. Maybe we can do this again um just before the draft and uh, cuz I'm sure quite a few different things will change and uh and yeah, thanks again for doing this. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure, Dave. I, I really appreciate it and I appreciate everything you do for Rockets fans with uh, ClutchFans.net, and just uh, it's a privilege to be a member of the community. Awesome, man. Thanks, bud. Take care. All right. All right, you too.